Welcome everybody back to Fan the Flame podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilly. Uh, before we get started again, I want to thank you guys for support, for listening, for sharing, for liking, for commenting, for following, for subscribing, for emailing, all of these things that you're doing to help build this platform uh, of spreading the word of God and spreading testimony and spreading hope, fanning the flame of the gifts that God has given to you. Today it's going to be a little bit different. I uh, know that I've done the last the last couple I've done has just been me. So thanks for hanging on, not having a guest. I know we came out kind of swinging with uh, a whole bunch of power packed lunches full of amazing uh, men and women of God sharing their story and sharing their testimony of what Jesus has done and His redemptive power that has been uh, has been moving inside of them and. Uh, I'm thankful for for people just being vulnerable, and that's what I want to do today: is just be vulnerable and and uh, just kind of give you guys a rundown of what life looks like um, when you're when you're not portraying the perfection that we do on social media and and on uh, every platform, whether it's behind the pulpit, whether it's um, at home, um, but the pictures that we're taking at home that we're placing on social media. So that we can, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of it is 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 misplaced um, identity, and we want people to like us. I think at large, you know, most of the people that say I don't care what people think about me care the most about what people think about them. And so, uh, I, I just wanted to give a perspective from from a ministry standpoint, from a person who's been in ministry for a while and a person who still preaches still a father, still a husband, still a, um, a worker in the community, um, and, and is, is imperfect, but is loved by a perfect God. And I think that there's so many times that we can get to a place where we've built this life based upon our, our, high, our highlights, our, our, our highlight reel. And that's what we post is the picture from our highlight reel. You know, I like to fish and when I get a PR or I get a big size fish, I'm going to post that thing on social media because I want people to see this fish that I caught. Right. And uh, I think that we can get that way with platforms just like this. We can we can elevate um, ourselves to a place that that may not be fully um, true. We may be feeling a type of way um, even while we're posting or while we're um, in a way performing for the camera. And so. I want to get into some of that today, and I also want to get into a question that was um, sent to me. Well, it was a phone call, actually, about a week ago. A friend of mine sent me this, and I'm going to give my own thoughts, and I'm going to look at it from a perspective of Scripture as well, but um, it was a great question. So um, i get my cup of coffee so we get started here. So yeah, um, if, you, if you're not following, please do jump on <laughs> after that spiel, like and follow. Uh, but no, I do think that these videos are helping people. I do think that this platform, this podcast is helping people. I've had a lot of good kickback and or feedback, not kickback. I had a little bit of kickback too, which is fine. Everybody has a voice here. That's what I want you to know. Like fantheflamepod at gmail.com. Email me if you like it. If you don't like it, tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you don't like about it. And, and let's let's talk about it. And so, um, but one of the things that has been on my heart lately, I've been, it's just a heart cry of mine because I've been in a place of, of a bit of desperation in certain areas. You know, I've been praying to God for certain things for years that I have yet to see um, come to fruition that I know 
um, that his promises still stand upon. And it's, it's not that he owes me or I get to leverage God because we're in a relationship together that he has to do this for me, but it's, it's things in my heart. It's desires that he has specifically placed there that are for good. And I, I'm, I'm in a place of like, man, I'd really like to see that happen, God. And, and I just, I keep getting this answer as I pray is, is like, Scott, I'm developing you. I'm, I'm, I'm putting some things in you. I'm, I'm trimming some things off of you. Um, Cause ultimately when you represent yourself to the world, you need to look like Jesus in every way, or it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt ministry purpose. It's going to hurt um, your family. And there's just a lot of things I'm realizing about myself at 39 years old that I never really dealt with in my twenties or teens or whatever. And I, I really think that, you know, without these moments of desperation, life with God can become based on the soul feeling of joy, soul feeling of happiness, soul feeling of, of um, you know, emotional response to what he's doing rather than just trusting. Sometimes you're not going to get a deep emotional response when you're trusting the Lord. You're just, you're in a season where you don't know. And I think at some point, that's the safest place that we can be with God because uh, it gives no room for error on our side because we don't necessarily know what to do, right? And so we have to trust because this trust is built on faith, faith in knowing, you know, that God has got me no matter what. And my wife posted on Facebook the other day something that really got me thinking, you know, um, about where she's at and where what's going on with her. And, and, you know, we obviously we're married, so we talk, but sometimes I think that when you're in the same house under the same roof, you assume everything's okay because you've lived together and you've done life together for so long, but there's really some things that probably need to be addressed, you know? And so what I recommend with that is praying, you know, I grab my wife's hand every now and again, and I just say, we're just gonna pray. And probably don't do that often enough if I'm real, but um, I think that people growing in faith are okay with admitting fault, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't, I don't tend to be perfect. I don't, or I don't proclaim to be perfect, but I do know the one who is, and that's where my faith and trust lies. And I think that as husbands, we have to reassure our wives, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're facing, the word of God is strong enough. And that's got to be where we turn. You know, we have to turn to him or else everything else will fall apart. We'll, we'll get we'll get um, confirmation from other people rather than from his word and from his purpose for our life and for his promise for our life. And so I wanted to talk about today just a, a, what what do you do in those seasons where you're in the unknown? In the, in the moments of doubt and frustration and, and, you know, the condemnation can really, it's really waiting for you to say, um, I don't, you know, the condemnation in life can come when we don't know, because it's like, well, I should know I'm a believer. I should know what I'm doing. I should know every step. That doesn't look like faith. Faith to me looks like um, trusting, even though you don't know. And it's not blind faith. It's not throwing, you know, throwing throwing caution to the wind all the time and saying well i hope it works out it's no it's it's following and trusting and and going back to the little things that god has promised us and remembering um that he always has our best interest in mind and so i I was thinking about this i was praying about this lord you know in this season where we're at as a family because it's not about scott tilly it's not about my ministry or me or it's about jesus and if i'm not representing him well to my wife if i'm not loving christ like or loving my wife like Christ loved the church, then I'm kind of failing in that department of, 
of manhood. So we may even get into a little bit of masculinity stuff today, but I, I think that sometimes when I, when it's just me in dialogue, it gives me a chance to be, you know, exactly real raw and open, which is what this, what this podcast is about anyway. But hearing my own thoughts in my head and, and really running with that and not bouncing it off somebody to confirm or, you know, yeah, you know, bro, you're just in this place. Like, it's easy to tell somebody something that they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And there's nobody that's going to be as real with me as God and myself because we know each other best and uh, or we know me best. And so I want to get into that to, to, today. Um, and if you're there, ma'am, I guess my hope is like somebody that's going through some of these things gets biblical perspective on how to respond and how to be while we're in this place. Okay. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the real and rawness of life. It is. It's real. It's raw. It's, it's unpredictable at times. And um, you're always our safe place. You're always our refuge. And if we can just grasp that concept, that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're deliver, that your promises are always yes and amen in Christ Jesus, that we can... Um, we can rest assured. We can have the peace that Jesus speaks of in, in John 14, 27, that, that, um, that he gives, that not the world gives, that, that our hearts don't have to be troubled or afraid, that he gives us this peace that is, is really deep and effective and fervent. And so we thank you for that today. And we ask for, uh, I just ask for guidance on this podcast, God, let, let your word speak for itself. Um, let it be convicting, let it be uplifting, let it be encouraging, let it, let it fan into flame the gifts that you've given your body as the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so all that said, I want to read to you from one of my favorite scriptures, and um, this is from Psalm 121. This is the Lord, the keeper of Israel, and before we start there, this is, this is a song of essence, and I want you to know that it was told to me one time, Scott, the Bible is not, it's not to us. The Bible wasn't written to us. I pondered on that for days, and I was like, well, if it's not to us, then what is it? And I believe the Lord revealed this to me. The Bible is for us. It maybe had been written to a specific people at the time, but it is for us, because if it wasn't for us, then why are we reading it? There's no point in reading the Bible if it's not going to transform my life, as Romans says, right? Don't be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and how do we renew the mind we get in the word of god if my mindset is stuck in depression and anxiety and chaos and confusion i have to renew my mind because i'm not thinking correctly i have to be able to look at god look at his promises look at his standard look at his his law his covenantal law that he has established with me through the blood of jesus and i have to say this is more true than anything else that's going on around me. This is more true than my circumstance. Not, not that my circumstance isn't real, not that I'm not going through deep loss or deep sorrow or, or deep depression or anxiety, but this word, this word is strong enough to make me believe everything about it is absolutely concrete, evidential facts. And I can rest assured on that. I can believe that God has my best interest in mind. And as I read Psalm 121, I was reminded of what happens when we're flat on our back. Look at the, look at the way it's, it's framed. The first verse says this. 
I will lift up my eyes to the hills of Jerusalem. From where shall my help come? Where shall my help come? So it's a, it starts with a question. Okay. And yeah, it's talking about Jerusalem. Okay. But this can be prophetically true for you today, even as it was spoken years ago. It can still be true in your life. When you're at your wit's end, when you're flat on your back and all you can do is look up, where does your help come from? Where does it come from? Where do you go when things in your life are terrible? Where do you run when things in your life aren't lining up the way that you thought they should or you think they should, you know? And we can run to many different places. We can run to social media and post a vague, vague post about, hey, please pray for me. Got some things going on, which isn't bad. But if we start there, if we run there first and say, you know, man, guys, please rally around this camp, camp around this, this spirit of confusion, the spirit of chaos, the spirit of delusion, the spirit of, of depression or whatever it may be. And we rally around that before we hit our knees in prayer to go to the source. I think it can create more confusion because what's going to happen is you're going to have many different voices come in on those chats and say, oh, honey, you know, it's okay. You're doing great, which may be true. But do you need confirmation from people or do you need confirmation from the word of God? If I'm living for the appeal and, and applause of man, then I can't call myself a follower of Christ. That's what the word says. I'm not saying that these are bad things in of themselves. Please don't crucify me for, for posting on Facebook that you need help. What I'm saying is, who is your source? Because you're going to have a lot of people on Facebook that aren't following Jesus. And when they comment and you take that word in its weight in gold, then you're going to, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your psyche. It's going to affect your spirit. It's going to, it could affect you uh, physically, depression or whatever affects you physically. And so when we're not going to the truth of the matter of the word of God, then we're kind of subjectively committing ourselves to any voice, any wind and wave of doctrine that may come in. So I think it's pivotal that we run to the father first. And, and with that, you know, then, then comes the answer, right? It says, where does my help come from? My help, this is the answer. My help comes from the Lord first establish that principle my help in life everything i need everything i'm going to need in two months everything i'm going to need in two minutes it comes from the lord who made heaven heaven and earth and and i love this because we get um we get this understanding through through this scripture right here my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth we've got so many people that are looking to the earth for the answers come on you got people worshiping rocks, people, you know, burning incense and burning sage and burning all these things or looking for the answer through these objects rather than the creator of these things, looking to the stars for answers, looking to their sign, you know, uh, what's your sign? The cross, the cross of Calvary. That's, that's the only sign. That's the only significant sign that I'm going to need in life. And in, in that sign comes every prophetic utterance that I'm going to need in the future. And so I think that we need to understand that, like the, the, the witchcraft stuff, the stuff, you know, the new age stuff, the stuff that people are looking for the answer in life. Well, the answer in life is pretty simple. Jesus Christ is sufficient for everything. 
the blood of Jesus will suffice for every need that I'm ever going to have. Okay. And so that's where our help comes from. The maker of heaven and earth. Who's the maker? The maker is the father, God, the father, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. Okay. Those, those three, those triune beings. Okay. Those, those three into one are the only um, answer that for, for anybody lost or found. Okay. Those are the Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is enough. God is enough. Okay. So the maker of heaven and earth, listen to what it, it commands this too. This is, this is, this is amazing. It says, um, he will not allow your foot to slip. So it, it's, where does my help come from? Like I'm in hell. I'm in I'm help. I'm in trouble. I need help. Where does my help come from? You ever been flat on your back and you're like, I just don't know what to do. I, I don't know. Life has thrown me so many curveballs. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. And then you remember the simplest things of your faith. God takes you back to your first love in Christ. You're like, there it is. There it is. That's what I need right now. I just need Jesus. I just need him to love me back into, into place. Take my heart. Take the pieces of my heart that I've, that I've handed to the world and have broken me numerous times. And I'm going to let him love me back together the, the, way that, the only way that he knows how. And so he, he who keeps you will not slumber. So God's not taking a day off. Okay. God is not saying, I'm going to hold you for today. I'm going to take care of you for today, but tomorrow you're on your own because I'm going to be doing something else. No, he won't slumber. He won't sleep. He's, he's with you 110% of the time. Nothing that you can do will take the, the, the eyes of the father off of you in Christ Jesus. Once you've committed your life to him, to following him, the father's eyes are upon you and he is pleased Okay, I think that that's one thing that we also need to understand that we condemn ourselves when Jesus doesn't condemn us. Boom. That's some good coffee. We often condemn ourselves when Jesus himself doesn't condemn us. Romans 8.1, what does it say? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk according to the Spirit, not the flesh. Well, if you've chosen Christ, you've been infused with Holy Spirit. The day that you said yes to Jesus, he gave you his spirit. The day that you you picked up your cross and chose to follow him and deny yourself, Holy Spirit is, is your best friend, okay? Um, and so we have we have refuge in here. We have strength in here. There is nothing that God had. There's nothing that God doesn't have. He's without lack. He he lacks nothing, okay? He he lack, lacks absolutely absolutely nothing, and and he's given you access to this through his Son the obedience to following Jesus. Amen. So behold, listen, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber briefly nor sleep soundly. God's not taking a nap somewhere in heaven, just hoping you'll figure this thing out for yourself. Did Jesus take naps? Absolutely. He was napping in the boat when the storms came. Okay. So he's, he's the creator of naps. Okay. And he can nap when he wants to nap, but God's saying, I'm not taking my eyes off you. Jesus never took his eyes off the man in the boat, even though he was sleeping. He knew precisely where they were going. He navigated the path. And so God's not sleeping on you. He's not, he's not off somewhere on a Caribbean cruise while you're, you know, in this pit of hell that you've placed yourself in and just like oh, figured out you got there yourself. He's saying, no, no matter what you've done to get yourself in this predicament, I'm not sleeping and I'm close enough to get you out. But there's this hand of reach that we have to have as believers. We have to extend our hand as the Father extends his hand, and he meets us. 
I think about the story where, where Peter was walking on water. And I've got, I got a picture of it on my phone, actually. I don't know if you can see this, but um, I'm trying to get this stuff off the front so you can see it. I got this picture. This is, this is, it says Jesus at the bottom and it's, it's the, the arm of Christ reaching down for the arm of Peter and he's pulling him out of the water. And I often just grab this and I look at it and I remind myself that in my doubt, in my confusion, in my chaos, he has not forgotten me. He's not sleeping on me. He's not slumbering. He is right here ready to pull me out of my doubt every single time. When he pulled Peter out of the water, what's the first thing he said? Ye of little faith, why do you doubt? And it wasn't to condemn Peter, like, you stupid idiot, you don't have any faith at all. It was to remind him, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm here. Listen to my voice. I, I, I know tomorrow I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. I see it from the beginning to the end. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm not going anywhere. Okay, I'm the one who hung the stars and the moon and the sky. And you can trust me. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. You can trust me. I'm not going to sleep on you. I'm not going to slumber. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to be sleeping soundly when you call out to me and not be able to hear you like some of us dads do when we're in deep, deep snoring, um, snoring season of our sleep and can't hear freight train come to the living room. That's not God. He hears everything. Now, I, I love this promise. This is a promise in, in verse 5. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. What does that mean? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Well, the Lord is my keeper. What, is, what does keeper mean? It means that he is my constant. He is my stay. He is my perfection. He is my everything. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's already there. If he's keeping me today, he's keeping me tomorrow. If he's keeping me tomorrow, he's keeping me the next day. God is perfection, even when we're not, okay? I want you to think about that. He is my keeper. He is my shade on my right hand. So this kind of gives this, this correlation here between Isaiah 25 verse 4 for this verse. It says, for you, and this is Isaiah 25, verse 4. We jumped over from Psalm 121, verse 5. It says, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. For the breath of, ruth, of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. So what he's saying, and I love this, the second part of this verse where he says, I am your shade on your right hand. Your right hand, you know, the right hand um, constitutes strongness, okay? Not the left-handed people aren't strong, but it constitutes right, the, the strength of the Lord. It says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So there's something to that, right? There's judgment, there's, there's judgment, there, there's strength, there's power with that right hand. It says a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. So even though the, ruth, the ruthless are breathing threats against you, they're breathing um, your failures, your faults, your, your whatever, your sins, your transgression, all these things, they're breathing against you. The hand of the Lord is your shield. He's covering you, his shade, that heat that they're breathing against you is like a wall. God says, nope, you can breathe this far, but you can't go any further because she's mine. And, and your threats, 
and in your accusations because you're the accuser will not come against her. She is mine. He is mine. You can go this far, but it's going to fall on deaf ears. Your breath is going to be mute. It's not going to hurt them. I am their refuge. I am their strength. I am their strong tower. I am their deliverer in times of trouble. And that's God's promise. That's his promise to you, regardless of what you're being faced with, with whatever you're feeling, whatever you think you're failing at. God's hand, his right hand of shade is upon you, and it's protecting you from the heat, from the fiery darts of the enemy's accusations against you. Come on, somebody. Now we're preaching a little bit. So verse six, look at this. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. So the scorching heat of the sun, think about Job. Remember Job where um, he was he was feeling like he was getting burnt. The sun was burning him. And God's saying, basically, look, the sun is not going to burn you up. Okay. The moon is not going to hurt you. Um, I will protect you from all evil. God's saying, basically, from morning till noon till night, you're protected. His provision is upon you. His protection of peace is with you. His shield is, is over you. He's protecting you from all the wiles of the enemy, from all the snaps or the snaps that the traps and snares of the enemy of the fowler's snare. He's got you in his hand. He's got you in his righteous right hand and his judgment comes upon those who will come against you. That's why that's why the Lord was able to say that um, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Okay, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that confesses itself against the heritage of the servants of the Lord, he will condemn. That's our protection. We're not falling upon God's judgment and wrath as non-believers or people that would not receive Jesus. We've been saved. Come on, somebody. I think that we need to hear that today. If you put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, you believed with your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He, he was dead and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. Like you, you, if you're a believer, you're saved. There's, there's nothing the enemy can do to thwart that process or thwart what happened the day of your salvation. Okay. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and all, and, and forevermore. So if he took care of you, then he's going to take care of you. Now his shield of protection is with you and upon you. Hallelujah. Look at this. He will protect you from all evil. We know as well as there's good in the world, there is evil in the world. You don't have to go very far to see the evil that's in the world today. We don't have to run to the end of the earth to look in a pit to see where evil lies. Evil's all around us, okay? That's because the God of this world, Satan, and the Antichrist spirit is well at work. But here's what I want you to know. You don't have to be so fixated on what the enemy is doing when you're fixated on what God's up to. Paul understood this. That's why he said, it doesn't mean be ignorant of it. Obviously, be, be, be careful of your surroundings. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what you're allowing your kids watch and be aware that what you're protecting your wife, you know, how you're, how you're supposed to protect your wife and your friends and your family and your church. But, you know, the enemy is, he's got influence. There's demonic influence everywhere in this world. You don't have to, I mean, you could turn your TV on and see that there's demonic influence, okay? Um, the trans movement, the, you know, all this stuff going on, like absolutely there's demonic agendas of this world. But my job, maybe in part to expose evil, you know, 
but it's it's within the body. It's within when those things have crept into the church, it's our responsibility to call them out for what they are, okay? And we're kind of taking a side trail here, but I, I want you to know that if you've been called to ministry in any, any, any facet, which if you're a believer in Jesus, you've been called to ministry, okay, that you have to protect, okay, but you also have to equip. And part of protection is equipping. I agree with that. But I'm in a place right now where I can't be so fixated on what everyone else is doing. I have to really be narrow minded right now on what God has called me to do, because in the Bible, it says wide and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So if I'm concerned with everything that's going on around me, my vision is more clouded than when it's super narrow and I'm fixated and I'm focused on the narrow road that leads to life. And I'm fixated and focused on Jesus, which is going to lead me to life in every area, not just on my day of, uh, you know, not, not just on the day where I'm standing before him, but every area of my life has to be um, condensed to this vision of the narrow road everywhere. And so that's just where I'm at right now. I, God said, yeah, I, I believe that the Lord has spoken through his word time and time again through my friends where they're like, I've heard people say, man, like you need to narrow your vision a little bit. You're, you're in a, a lot of different places, you know, and it's true because I look back, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so if I want God's hand of protection upon me and I, I got to flow with him, I got to move with him. I got to be able to jump when he says jump and stop when he says stop. And so all this evil, just bringing this back around that, that this, that this verse is speaking of that God is protecting me from protecting you from protecting Israel from is, is what he's saying here. Um, it really comes down to where you know, where my focus is, am I fixating my eyes on Jesus or am I fixating my eyes on everything that's going on in the world? Because you can't do both and do it. Well, I don't feel like, I feel like you have to keep your eyes fixated on Jesus and then he'll show you what you need to pay attention to and what you do not need to pay attention to. You know, when he is a refuge in our safe place and all I can see is that hand of shade upon me, then I can't see everything else. I can't see what else is going on in the moment. All I can see is God's refuge, God's strength, God's provision. And I love those moments because it reminds me of how good he really is. When we go through something and then we get to the other side and we're like, man, you were with me the whole time. Even in the middle of that thing where I felt like I was by myself, your hand was upon me. Your protection was with me. Your guidance was with me. And I love that about God, that he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's everywhere. There's nowhere I can go. David says, if I make my bed in hell, in Sheol, are you not there? If I ascend to the mountaintops, are you not there? There's nowhere I can outrun the spirit of God. Come on, somebody. There's nowhere you can go, you can run that's going to outrun Holy Spirit. Nowhere. He's not afraid to go into bars and minister to people. He's not afraid to go into strip clubs and see people saved. He's not afraid to go anywhere. He will go where you go because he is inside of you and he will take you places that you could never get into on your own. He will be your VIP to places where you never could have got into on your own. That's not an elevation thing. That's saying these places, the trenches, the places where Christians aren't supposed to be, he'll take you there to pull people out of the pit of hell. Ask me how I know. I've got into places numerous times where I didn't belong as a Christian. You shouldn't be around those people because Jesus said, go minister to this person's heart. And so we would go. And I think that 
when you know that God's protection is upon you, the evil around you just becomes something that's it's not really that big of a deal. It is in the in the scheme of things, but in the moment of things, when God's trying to teach you something, that stuff is not on my not on my radar like the goodness of God is. Come on. And and if I'm constantly looking at what's the devil doing? What's the devil up to today? You see what kind of fear that breeds? But when I wake up and say, look what God's up to. Look where we're going today, Holy Spirit. Look where you took me yesterday. This is awesome. This is a fun journey with you. Then your perspective can change and you can actually influence those places of evil and darkness, which we're called to do, by the way. We're not supposed to just stay shut up in a church one day a week for an hour and, oh, okay, release me back out to the world. Look, if you're not training yourself in truth and righteousness during the week, you can forget about Sundays because the enemy's okay with you going to, going to church on Sunday as long as that's the only day that you experience God all week. Ouch. I've been there. I'm not condemning anyone. I'm telling you there's more. God wants to go deeper with you, and he will protect you from wherever he sends you. Write that down. He will protect you from wherever he sends you. He's sending you out into a world, okay? Be wise as doves, right? Come on, you know, the, you, know the, you know the word, right? Be wise as doves so you can be an impact for the world, right? So, or be, be, be wise as serpents, soft as doves, something I can't remember exactly, but you get the point. Like he's going to send us out into these places and so we can impact the world and see people come to the kingdom of God. So the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will guard you. So who keeps my life? Do I keep my life? Does my wife keep my life? Does my job keep my life? Does my bank account keep my life? Does my transportation keep my life? Is all my life wrapped up in how I'm going to get to work tomorrow or the next day? No. My life belongs to the Lord, and I can trust that he knows me better than I know me, and he knows my every need. He will guard you in your going out and your coming in. Everything that you do from this time forth and forever. I think that we need to pray that every day. God, you will guard me and you will keep me as I go and as I come from this time forward and forevermore. That just kind of gives me um, a freedom to shake off any preconceived notion that I have to perform for God. He keeps me. Not Joe down the street, not my pastor, not the greatest evangelist that's ever walked the face of the earth. By the way, that was Jesus, not Billy Graham. Billy's awesome, but Jesus was the greatest evangelist that ever walked the face of the earth. Um, and Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalinda, all those guys are amazing, but um, Jesus is the original evangelist. And I love the pressure that comes off when we don't have to watch people on social media and say, I have to mimic that. They're doing it right. No, you need to, you need to just be, we need to be just organically one with Jesus. And then he gives us the go ahead. I'm not out here to um, appeal to anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. He is the only one that matters. He is the audience that I am, that I am, you know, speaking to or speaking for or whatever he's he's the one that motivates me that moves me that disciplines me that shows me and i'm not saying i don't need anybody i'm not rogue good grief i have a great church that we um, attend 7 a.m in Manila, kansas and 
Pastor Michael is amazing. The dude is anointed. Um, he's a fire plug for the kingdom of God. But at the end of the day, I can't put my full faith and trust in, in him or the church or somebody in the church. They're great relationships. They build us. And if you're not um, into a local congregation, I highly suggest that you do that. You get into that place and you grow down deep roots with these people because you're going to need it in the times to come. I'm telling you right now, you can't do this thing rogue. You can do it for a while. You can sustain for a while and and not have fellowship. But sooner or later, you're really going to need to have the fellowship. And besides, Hebrews tells us not to give up the fellowship of the saints as some get in the habit of doing. So don't be rogue and call yourself you know, a member of the church. Don't be rogue and say, I am the church. The church gathers. The church meets. The church prays. The church prophesies. The church lays hands on the sick, the church works together, you know, and so that's, that's what I want to say about Psalm 121, and I hope that blessed somebody, um, there's so much meat there, go read that for yourself, but uh, the last thing I want to talk about um, in this podcast is a brother sent me a message, I think I started with this earlier, but a brother sent me a message and asked about, do you think that, that the verse, and let's just look at it real quick, uh, this is in the Beatitudes, and Jesus is speaking to the crowd, um, and he says in Matthew 5, let's just turn the Bible there, Matthew chapter 5, hang with me, I guess I got it right here, but I would like to, I would like to actually pull it up on here, Matthew chapter 5. 5-5, five, five, I believe it is, the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody turn to your Bibles, and not on your phone, but, you know, if you have your hardback with you, or your softback, or your leather back, or whatever, turn there. Look at this. When Let's just read from the top real quick. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So this is a, this is an understanding that Jesus sees a lot of people, and he says, it's an opportunity to preach the gospel and to preach the kingdom and then he began to touch them excuse me teach them saying blessed spiritually prosperous happy to be admired are the poor in spirit those devoid of spiritual arrogance those who regard themselves as insignificant for theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever verse 4 blessed forgiven refreshed by god's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted Verse five is what I was asked about. Look at this. Blessed, inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy or respect of respect are the gentle, the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. Now, your Bible says, probably says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay. And I'm probably going to paraphrase this because I don't have the question wrote down, but I, I wanted to I wanted to end with this. The brother brother called me and said, man, what do you think about that verse and how the world has twisted that verse to try to make men soft? And I said, well, what do you mean? And so we got into it. And it was understanding, you know, the scripture in of itself says this, for blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, what does that mean? I think we first need to establish what meek means and what it doesn't mean. Meek does not mean weak. Meek does not mean weak. And yes, I do believe that all scripture at some point, somebody has tried to twist and make it sound like it's something it's not. The enemy was, you know, the master at this. And 
if you don't believe me, go read when Jesus is um, in the wilderness and he forgets. He didn't forget, but he purposely doesn't note an entire verse. The enemy does. And I'll let you figure that out for yourself. But meek doesn't mean weak. Okay. That's not what it means. Meek means bridled strength. So if you're reading that and going, well, I have to be just a soft hearted little punk and, 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 you know, teach my kids to be super soft and teach my kids to be, um, you know, cower to the world and just go with the flow. Then no, that's not what it means. What meek means is bridled strength. And I want you to think about this, this bit in the mouth of a horse. Okay. That horse, if I get on that horse and at any given moment, that horse could literally snap my neck in 15 different places. He could throw me, he could stomp me, he could bite me. He could do whatever he wants to do to me. Right. But that bridle that I put in his mouth, that bit that I put in his mouth, it, it's the bit, sorry, the bit that put that I put in his mouth helps me bridle him, helps me move him where I want him to go. So that strength is controlled. That strength is secure. That strength is worthy. Okay. That strength becomes now um, something that is going to be used for purpose, not for pain. And, and so what happens is even, okay, think of, think of it this way. Um, that horse now can get me to where I want to go. That horse can, can carry a load for me to, to, you know, lighten my load. And that strength is bridled into a place where it's now useful and it's not going to hurt or harm. It's going to help. That's what meek means. It means it's bridled strength. And, and look, it, it notes this, it's inward peace. It's spiritually secure. Okay. Meek is spiritually secure. It means that I am firm in my faith. I know what God has given me. I know what he's called me to, and I can go do it with the power that he's given me to go do it. I don't have to summon it from somewhere else. I don't have to sheepishly go ask for some, somebody else's strength. I can rest in the fact and rest assured that that meekness that God has, that's a gift in of itself, by the way. Meekness is, is a gift. It's not something that, oh man, we got to be meek. We got to be little. We got to be minute. We got to be small. No, it's bridled strength. It's every bit of strength that I'm going to need, but it's pointed in the right direction so that it impacts and influences in the kingdom of heaven and grows the kingdom of God. That's what that means. And so, yeah, if people tell you that you have to be weak to be a Christian, you're in the wrong war and you're in the wrong game. Christians are strong. That's why Paul spends an entire chapter talking about the bride of Christ being um, being subject to putting on the full armor of God. If it was a patty cake meet and, a, and just a little song fest around the fireplace, then it would be, don't worry about putting anything on. We're gonna we're just gonna sing this one away, boys. No, you know, in in David's time when 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 he would go to war, he would send the worshipers ahead of him, the singers ahead of him, and they would play the you know play the instruments and be like, "We're coming for you. I hope you're ready." And that's the way the bride of Christ is. We we war in the spirit that way. Okay, there is a war in the spirit where when we hit our knees and we petition and 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 profess God's goodness before on our faces before him, then, you know, something happens supernaturally and we're able to move forward in the faith that he's given us. But yeah, meek doesn't mean weak, man. It doesn't mean to cower and, and just, well, the world's going to be what the world's going to be. And we just got to bury our heads in the sand and wait for Jesus to come back. No, 
we are on the front lines. We are the ones that are that are speaking. The Lord is coming. Get ready. And so, yeah, I love that question. Um, I, I want to raise my son to be super strong in his faith first. I don't care how strong he is in the weight room or how many touchdowns he scores or how many baskets he has or how many dunks he has in a game. At first, he's not established in his faith. And I realize I, I'm not perfect at this, but this is what I constantly remind him. I just did it yesterday. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm let, maybe it was a couple of days ago. Anyway, it was recent. I'm less concerned with how you perform. It was Wednesday night. It was at the youth rally. I'm less concerned with how you perform than I am how um, you represent Jesus while you perform. And so whatever platform God has given you, it's, it's not to sheepishly shy away. Receive the platform that God has given you. Receive. If it's a pulpit, awesome. If it's, if it's just your presence in a meeting as a leader, awesome. Lead well, and you lead well by serving. That's another thing that that was saying. Jesus, think about what Jesus said. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's what meekness looks like. The whole encompassing power of God in human form, wrapped in flesh. You know, he subjected himself to become sin, right? Come on. Who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness and the sons and daughters of God. That's meekness. Jesus displayed meekness everywhere he went. Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, and the Roman soldiers showed up, and Judas kissed him on the cheek, and they were basically saying, you know, they were kind of starting the mocking phase, and Jesus basically tells them, could I not call down legions of angels right now and wipe the entire world off the face of the earth? Like, literally turn this planet upside down. Could I not do that? That's bridled strength because he could have done that. He could have completely released heaven's army and completely killed everybody and every living thing on the earth. But he chose the cross so that we could have the righteousness of God through his blood. That's meekness. You want to know what meekness looks like? Look at Jesus. He carried meekness from death or from life to death to life again. He gives meekness. It's a gift. Meekness is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's got to be used right and not to downplay the power that possesses the kingdom of heaven. God has all power. He's all knowing. He's almighty. He's all willing, by the way, to save you and to save anybody you know simply by crying out to him. So thanks for that question, bro. I hope I hit it. Um, keep the questions coming. I like this. This is fun for me. Um, we're going at it from a biblical perspective. Um, so I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope your week ended well. I pray that this, this episode blesses you. I felt like there was something on this for a lot of people. So again, like subscribe, share, get it out there. I noticed that a lot of people watching aren't subscribed. I'm not saying like there's names. I can't tell who your names are, but there's a lot of people watching the videos, but there's not a lot of subscribers. So go subscribe to the channel. Um, Share it with your friends. Guys, I'm elated to be here to speak with you today. Thanks for thanks for reaching out um, and, and uh, just asking for prayer and things like that, guys. We'll, we'll keep that going. So I love y'all. Thanks for listening. You are on Fan the Flame podcast. Be blessed.